God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. I got my copy. Wrote it clearly with PQ on it, so you cannot, and wrote it inside as well, so you cannot take it. Love it. Uh, in my preparation for uh, this, uh, today's message, especially we, uh, we are kicking off 40 days of um, prayer, I do what a lot of pastors do. I Googled. When I Googled prayer, you know how much, what I got? I got 862 million web pages about prayer. And it also showed 162 million books on prayer, videos on prayer, and 116 million books on prayer, and 43.7 million news articles on prayer. When I Googled, when I Googled Amazon, there were 136,000 books on Amazon on prayer. It is a big subject, very big subject. So in preparation for this uh, seven weeks, I pulled out a lot of my books and prayer that I have. I pulled, I pulled out about 30, and I have bought about 20 more on my Kindle with the audible on it so I can listen to it rather than just read. And it is a um, big topic, huge topic. One of the things that we know is that all around the world, no matter what culture, what religion you are of, people pray. And some, some people, some scholars actually say one of the, one of the uh, proof that we are human beings are unique is that we pray. Dogs don't pray. Human beings pray. But the second thing I know about prayer is that no matter who you meet, they all are not sure whether they are praying good or right. And this is funny, isn't it? Um, We missed a 40-day campaign. We, I call it 40 DOP, not dope, but day of prayer. Okay, <laughs> okay. And, I, I, and as I thought about, as I thought about this whole uh, set, next 40 days of prayer, and I was amazed how those apostles of Jesus, those 12 men who've been following Jesus all over the place and seeing Jesus do all the miracles, were the greatest teachings ever about God, and saw his holy life. And one thing they asked of Jesus was not, teach us how to raise the dead. They didn't ask, teach us how to preach or teach. Only one thing they asked was, teach us how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, 1 through 4, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, but something about Jesus, they saw Jesus praying early in the morning, praying all night in the mount, all that. When, once, once when, when they saw Jesus praying after he was done, they were so moved. More than the miracles they saw, more than the teachings they heard, they asked, Jesus, teach us to pray. I don't know about you. I don't know how often I come and pray. I, I go to pray before God, I feel like, I don't know what, what, what I'm praying. I don't know if my praying is good. I get always anxious about prayer. 
So as you begin these 40 days, you know, a few things that I mentioned last couple of weeks was that one, it'll be a time of growth, spiritually growing. Secondly, it'll be a time of drawing near to God, drawing near to the face of God. And this four days, we are hoping that, that we will learn about prayer. And the best way to learn prayer is by praying. By praying. And I know we took the we are using the book by Saturday Community Church by Rick Warren. Not because it is the best book out there, not because it is perfect book. It's because it's something to start with. It, uh, they have done it well. I did, they did a great job. Pastor Mimi and I, we vetted it. It's a good book, good material. But we want it to be a jumping place to start the discussions. Actually, I love this book. I looked over it again and again, and there's a lot of things. This week, I think the, the question you're thinking about is, what does prayer mean to you? What does prayer mean to you? Think about it. What does prayer mean to you? It means a lot of things to, a lot of different things to people. What does prayer mean to you? So we want to, in next body, we want to think about what is prayer? Why do we pray? What is a good, confident prayer? You want to talk about maybe good models of prayer? You want to, you want to think about what, 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 what about when? God doesn't seem to answer. We're going to ask questions like, how do we pray for breakthroughs? How do we pray for, you know, our healings and restoration? All those will recover. So in, in, when, when, when disciples that Jesus actually gave Lord's Prayer, in Luke chapter four, 11 gives Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, this is not as complete as the one in Matthew, but here Jesus gave them a simple model of prayer. Today we are beginning these 40 days really with simple thing. God, teach us how to pray. Well, how do we come in before? That's what we are coming before God. You know, and uh, um, this is not in my note, but let me say it anyway. That means it might be two minutes longer than what I expected. Anyway, let me, I, I remember uh, there are significant moments in my life when I really prayed. And one of the moments was, I think, 2003, I believe, in February. And we were still at FKPC Old Building. You know, and, and this is when FKPC Korean Church, the senior pastor was retired. They're looking for a new pastor. And I am the EM pastor of the KPC, and I am filling in for both, KM and EM. I'm doing both. And it was in the midst of that time. And I went away two weeks to pray at Ahab. I drove out there by myself to pray. And, and praying about, I was, I think, I was, I was 40, 41 going on 42 that year. And I really was a turning point in my life. And I am doing what you call English ministry. People will always come and ask me, when will you be doing real ministry? Many people thought doing English ministry was a ministry of young people. When you go to the real ministry, they will look at me. And so, and also that Korean church was asking me whether I'll be their senior pastor and do both came in EM and a lot of different things. I went to pray. In the two weeks of prayer that I drove up by myself, 1,100 miles one way, 
spent two weeks in prayer in Kansas City and praying. This is when I probably had most revelation about God. This is when God gave me clear words. The day I arrived in the prayer room to pray, in the midst of the prayer set, one of the ladies came out, older, very distinguished-looking lady. One of the leaders in the, in the IHAP came out and looked at me and said, I don't usually do this. And she began to speak. And God has told me, Isaiah 55, 5, people you do not know will run to me, run to you. And this is when God gave me the word saying, Hope Church will not be a Korean church. It will be a church for all people. And then after two weeks of fasting and prayer, on the way driving back, and, and I think between and it, the state of Illinois and, and, and going, I think, from Saint, uh, Missouri and, and Illinois, God began to speak to me out of Song of Songs, chapter 2. And he, he really spoke to me out of that, saying that I am his beloved, and that he is mine. He loves me, delights over me. And, and I didn't realize it was a Valentine's Day. Here, God is telling me that he loves me. I'm driving in highway 70 miles, and I'm crying because he got, you know, when God tells you he loves you, almost audibly, I'm weeping, crying, and I am. So in that, that was a time that probably most important time in my life when I decided, God reminded me, what did I call you for? What did I call you for? Did I call you for the next generation? Isn't that what I called you for? That's when I say, God, I am in. I give my life for the next generation. That, that was a time of prayer. What does prayer mean to you? Today we are coming and really drawing near, asking God, teach us to pray. Let's pray. Father, we just come today once again. Father, reveal to us through Jesus Christ as our Father. Heavenly God, we come today. We come to hear you. We come to see you and encounter you. We didn't come from some religious activity. We didn't come as a dude. We came because he had promised if two or three gather in the name of Jesus, you'll be in our midst, that you will talk to us, you'll meet with us today, God. Today we ask simply, teach us to pray. Amen. Today's, text, oh no, today's title is Desperation Invitation. As the time goes, as the message goes, you know what that means. Desperation invitation. Today's text is 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, I read a little uh, story about uh, Jim Simbala. Jim Simbala, and, you know, who was a pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, a famous church, well-known church in New York, was in a prayer meeting when he noticed a woman beside him. Pray, and her, her prayer was becoming loud. And then she was talking to God as God was actually next to her. And he heard her saying things like, God, you have to do something about my son's addiction. You have to intervene. If you don't intervene, my son will die from overdose. He cannot do this himself. I do not know what I need to do to help him. She was crying out, screaming it loud, and yet she was praying as if God was right next to her. At first, he was taken back. Then just as quick, he suddenly realized this is a way that we must approach God with our prayer request. 
in desperation. I don't know how you pray, but times that I, need, I come to God in desperation. I think at the core, at the center of prayer really is asking God. Meaning that, God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. I need your help. At the core is that, declaring my dependence on God and acknowledging, God, I need you. That's, at the core is that prayer. So uh, today's story is really, we want to look at a story. I'm not going to go read the whole story. His whole chapter one and two of Samuel, we are covering about this woman named Hannah. I love the name Hannah. You know the name of Hannah means gracious, right, and mercy. This Hannah in chapter 1 of First Samuel, her name was mercy and gracious, but that's not what she was experiencing. There was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. Let's say it together. Ramathaim Zophim. Ramathaim Zophim. Okay, I'm going to ask you about that. Okay, now, some, you know, Tongue, almost tongue twister, right? Of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zup, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the, the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, and Hannah had no children. In those days, if woman to not have a baby, they're often considered cursed by God. It was a very difficult thing. Not only that, if you look at First Chronicles chapter 6, that you find that El Elkanah was a Levite of the Kohathite descent who took care of the holy tabernacle, utensils, things like Ark of the Covenant and all those things. So what happened was, now uh, as a Levi, you are supposed to leave a children to take, you know, to continue his work. And, and his wife, first wife, H Hannah, wasn't having any children for a while. So he was encouraged by their custom to have another wife. He loved his wife, Hannah. And Panina had babies. And that's the struggle. That's a struggle that she was going through. And she, here, you, here's a woman who was in desperation. I mean, you know, I mean, we don't believe in polygamy. And at the time, and at the time, it was very difficult for her. I want you to look at the next verse. It says, on the day, apparently Elkanah would, on the day she'll come to Jerusalem, to, uh, 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 Shiloh, to take care of the tabernacle, will go up, his family. You know, on the day when Elkanah's uh, sacrifice would go to we would give portions to, when you, when you go up to uh, tabernacle to work and he'll take family up there and when he, and he, when he, when he does, he will sacrifice. When he does that, he will give portions to his wife, Penina, and his wife and to all her sons and daughters. Apparently she had many kids and Hannah didn't. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had Close the womb. You know, I was studying this passage all over again, and I noticed something that I didn't see before. And I didn't notice that last line. You know, you know, I would just thought she could have a baby or barren. But Bible says she was not barren. Some she knew nothing was wrong with her body, but somehow God didn't allow her to have a baby. That was it. 
now as, as, I, as I prepared this message, God, and I was thinking about sharing about Hannah, but I realized there's a prophetic reason why I am speaking on Hannah today, on 1 Samuel. I didn't know until yesterday while I was researching that Hannah is very important to Jewish people. On the Rosh Hashanah, the Hannah's prayer is modeled as the model prayer for Jewish people. Very important. Not only that, yesterday, if you didn't, you want to hear for the Marbling Place remix, you, I, you missed a great thing. And I tell you, some of us are just standing there weeping, seeing kids worshiping God and praying to God. Because in some way, and Hannah was known because of her son Samuel, who, who, who was the last judge of Israel, but who became the kingmaker of Israel and you know, who you know, anointed first king Saul and second king David, as well as uh, he governed, he governed uh, the whole land. He was a prophet. He was a, and we know Hannah because of Samuel. But Samuel uh, had an important, important place in the life of Israel, in Judaism. And Hannah is significant. So, but here, and, and because what Hannah goes through to have Samuel is like, almost like Mary having Jesus. Almost like Elizabeth having John the Baptist. I don't have time to explain this more. But look at this next verse. And her, arri her rival used to provoke uh, grievously to irritate her. Because, you know, Panina knows that her husband loves Hannah more than her. But she is rubbing in. Look at my sons and daughters. In the end, and she's rubbing that in. And because the Lord had closed the womb. Second time it says, the Lord has closed the womb. So it went on year by year. Every year she'll rub it in. Every time go to the tabernacle, they'll rub it in. And as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to pour work. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. She was a desperate woman. But yes, her husband loved her, but everybody else considered her cursed. Often, women who cannot have a baby usually be discarded, divorced. That's so how it was now. But her husband loved her, but still... There's a lot of pain. So now, uh, what do you do in what, what do you do in the places? She is a desperate woman. Look at next verse, verse nine. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Hannah rose up. What does she do? Now as she goes to the tabernacle. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat. Beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. When you are in desperate situation, what do you do? You know, not, it's, not, it's not most cases where people go and pray. Often people do not. A lot of times we get depressed, we get walk away, we get dejected. It is not always a case, even among Christians, that we will go to God to pray. In the midst of this difficult time, difficult place, desperation, Hannah rose up and to go before God. She prayed. She prayed out of desperate situation and, and desperate place. Look at the next verse. And see she, how she prays. 
I, I need to look at this verse. And she vowed a vow and said, now, let me stop right there. Let me go to that verse. That's, she vowed a vow. It's sort of weird language, isn't it? What happened was here in this verse, in, in, in the original language, they use the same word twice. He made a vow twice. To emphasize she made a vow before God. She made a vow before God. Often people do that. God, if you do this to me, for me, I'll do this for you. Made a vow. Very strong vow before God. And she vowed a vow said, Oh, Lord of hosts. I need to stop right there again. Oh, Lord of hosts. Now, it means nothing to you. But until now, in the whole book of Old Testament, nobody ever called God Lord of hosts until now. They always call Lord as Yahweh, but never put the word together as Lord of hosts. First time, Sheik is the one who prays to God as the Lord of hosts. Lord of the mighty angelic army. Lord, powerful, victorious God. She comes to God in that understanding. I don't know how she got it, but she not only saw God as a personal God of Israel, but she saw God as God, victorious God of mighty army, God who is able to win over all the, all the enemies. Maya, she had somehow had this revelation of who God is. On that name, she began to pray. We're going to talk about it in the next few weeks. How, who you address who you see God as in your prayer changes everything. You know, God is a savior because we need to be saved. He came to save us. He's the deliverer because we were in bondage in, in, in place. So God has delivered us. You see, Jesus showed us, taught us that God is not only creator God, but he is father God. When you, God, when you see God as a father, you come differently than when you, God, when you God come to God as a king. If you, if you go come to God as a judge, you come fearfully. Because, you know, he, he's going to judge you. Right? And you have to come, you make sure you are righteous. If you come before God as God, you see God as the father. The good, good father that he is, you approach differently. Abby, my daughter, doesn't come and say, hello, daddy. How are you, Daddy Kim? She doesn't do that. I mean, you know, I remember I'll be offering her down in my basement in the summertime, preparing some studying. She'll walk right in, she'll, you know, she'll, her voice will change. It'll be small and uh, tender and sweet. She'll come and sit on my lap and she'll rub her face on me. Hi, Daddy. I'll say, What do you want? <laughs> you know what I mean? You, she's coming to her dad. If she was coming to a king, you're not going to do that. Who you see God as changes how you pray. She came to God, not just the God of Israel, but God's mighty God, Lord of hosts, victorious God she came to. Not because she wanted God to strike her enemy, Panina down. No, not that. But he saw a mighty God, she saw. And she vowed a vow and said, oh, Lord of hosts, sorry. If you will indeed look on affliction of your servant and rem remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your son, your servant a son, if then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall be, shall touch his head, meaning I will give, it, give him to you, give it back to you, he'll be Nazarene. 
totally dedicated, surrendered to God. God, I just, I just want a son. I'll give it back to you. God, help. I don't, I don't, I don't have to have the heaven with me. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want a son that I want to raise, but you can't have to have him as you raise him up for yourself. And she made a vow. She comes and prays. If you will do this, God, I will do this. I'm not recommending that you pray that kind of prayer, but often you find in the Bible, people pray like that. And Jacob prayed like that, God, if you will take care of me, bring me back from that foreign land, that you will be my God. I will tie to you. And people pray like that. Here she made a vow and prayed before God. She, she is surrendering. Let me stop right here and you know, say something. When you have our children, you know, when you have children, often as parents, we think we run their life. We raise them up the way we want. You know what she's saying? I'm going to raise him up as your son, one who belongs to you. He'll be surrendered to you. I don't know if you ever thought about this, as you mentioned this. Why did God close her womb? She can't have a son. Meaning she's physically normal. There's no reason why she should have a baby. Now, she can't have a baby because God closed the womb. Why? We, on this side of eternity, do not know God's plan and ideas. Some of, some of the desperate situations we may be in might be something that in God's plan. Right? It may be in God's plan. It may be in God's will and purpose. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, and her lips moved. Her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took, took her to be a drunken woman. And he said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. He said sometimes, you know, as a pastor, I, I see people praying, and they were not. Sometimes we misjudge. We say wrong comments. What's wrong with you? I don't know their heart. You know, and, and uh, uh, so here, Eli looks at her and she's praying desperately. You see her lips are moving, but no words are coming out. And to other people, she looked like she was a crazy woman. She looked drunk. I don't know if you ever prayed like that in your life. You're so desperate. The words may be difficult and different, and maybe the how you pray was really weird. I don't know if you ever prayed where you rolled on the ground. I did. Have you ever prayed like that sometimes? I, I remember there was time in my college that when things were not going well, I was crying out in the classroom, and I was rolling on the floor. God, I'm desperate. If you don't help me, I'm going to flunk out of school. I was rolling... <laughs> I don't know if I want to share that, but anyway. <laughs> you know, desperate prayers, right? And sometimes we cry out. You do not think about what people think. You, you don't care what people think. I'm desperate before God. She came desperate before God. She's crying out. Right? She's, she, look what he said. And she, but she, Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. Or soju, or what, makkali, whatever. <laughs> or baka. But I have been pouring out my heart 
my soul before the Lord. I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. That's what she was doing. Pouring our heart, my before, heart before the Lord. That's what prayer is. Pray, and at the core of the prayer is pouring our heart before the Lord. Doesn't matter what it looks like to people. Doesn't matter if we look bad. It's just pouring out of my heart to God. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. She, she was praying a desperate prayer. Desperate prayer. Open issue is we don't feel desperate when we should be desperate. I don't know about you these days. Aren't you, when you look at the news, aren't you, don't you feel the desperation of our country? We are making passing laws of different states where baby just being born can be killed in the as calling it abortion. Even the baby born, born alive can be killed by legally. And the legislature, leaders of state are celebrating these kind of things. You know what kind of nation we are living in? You know what kind of place we are living in? You know, the thing that makes me fear is that one of the reasons God kicked out the people, inhabitants of Canaanite was Canaan was because they were sacrificing their children to their gods. We're coming very close to a place where people are sacrificing babies, human beings, for the sake of their own right and whatever it might be, comfort. We are in a desperate place. Often we do not know we are in a desperate place. We are not in desperation at all. Your situ- our situation may be more desperate than, than we think it may be. Desperate prayer. We'll continue on. And then Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel grants your petition that you have made to him. You know, I can see myself doing this. I, I'm, just, I'm just so embarrassed because I misjudged her. Okay, may God give you whatever you wish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, I was like, what are you doing? Like, okay, okay. Okay, may God keep, you know, you know that, that thing coming. <laughs> but look at what she says. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. She believed what the priest, the servant of God said as God's word. And she, what she said, then she, the woman went on her way and ate. Remember, she was not eating. She was fasting, crying out. Now she goes home and eat. And her face was no longer sad. You know, what's, you know what happened here? She believed the word of God. She believed that God gave the word. God gave the word. You see, as you pray, when you cry out, there's a time when you know God answered your prayer. This is one of my, oh, oh, I, I say, say, give this, this, this testimony many times, but I remember a number of years, I was a young, brand new EM, brand new young pastor, like 27, 28. There's a lady in our church our choir director, she's in maybe I think late 30s. She's been married over 10 years, have no children. And she's a wonderful lady. And, and I remember somehow I prayed for, been praying for her, hearing about her situation. I remember God gave me a confidence in my heart that God's going God's to give her a son. So I remember somehow at the time I got an opportunity given by my senior pastor, Pastor Hart, to preach on Wednesday night. And she was there. And so she was, playing, she was playing piano for that night. And I spoke the word saying, God will make us laugh. Isaac, how God made Sarah laugh. And Sarah had a baby year, next year. 
And I knew that God was keeping her the word. I didn't say that to her. But I knew it was a good word for her. But I know, but within six months, I moved away to Hawaii. I remember I came back to Maryland about eight years later. I found out that she had, after the two sons, the one of them she named Isaac. Next one she named, I think, Jacob, I think. And so I'm not saying I did it <laughs> in any way. But, you know, but the thing is, I knew sometimes, you knew God was giving, I knew God was giving the word. I know there was power in the word of God. When she believed the word, there's a faith involved, isn't it? She believed. She believed. So self-poor, when eight, she said no, long, no longer. Let me, let me say this. Desperation may be an invitation from God. Let me say it. Desperation may be an invitation from God. Because prayer is an invitation from God. Desperation is, can be, and may be an invitation from God. You may not know all God's plans and purposes, but it may be an invitation from God. How do you, what do you do with that? How do you respond to that may change everything in your life. Juliana Novich said this, I, this is all, all language, but I am the ground on, of thy beseeching. First, it is my will, thou shalt have it. And next, I make thee to will it. And next, I make thee to beseech it. And, and, and thou beseeched it. How should it then be that thou should not have thy beseeching? You know what he's saying here, right? Saying, you know, he said, I am the ground of your asking. Even before you ever want it, it's my will that you have it, what you're asking. The first thing God said, I make you want to will ask it, will it. And then I make you to ask me, right? And, and then that you did ask because I may, gave you the will to ask. I helped you to ask and you asked me. So why wouldn't, I, why wouldn't you have what you asked? That's what he's, she's saying. Meaning, even before you pray, it is God who has helped you to pray. It is God who is moving you to seek after God. It is God in desper your desperation, inviting you to come and pray. He's saying, it's my will that you have this. It's my desire. I'm helping you to seek God. Helping you to come and ask me. Because I want to give it to you. So even in giving, even the asking God helped us to ask. You see, everything is God's grace, isn't it? Look at, look at what Tony Evans say. Prayer is a means by which God has established for God's people to invite the spiritual into the physical and the invisible realm into the visible realm. So that God made it possible we can invite spiritual to physical, invisible to visible. It is God who is inviting us in. Desperation is invitation from God. Samuel happened. A boy who will, be, who will change the course of history. A boy who will take the nation into new destiny. By this time, Israelites who came out of Egypt are now living in the land, all divided, all not coherent, they're fighting everywhere, they are dejected. 
And now God is raising up a man who will change everything and bring all the nation to seek God together, have a king who, and through which they will build a nation together. That's Samuel to come forth. It was God who allowed the desperation, the hand to seek God. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. You know what that means. He had sex with his wife. He knew his wife. And the Lord remembered her as she had asked. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. I've asked him from the Lord. The God heard my prayer. As we begin this 40-day journey, God is inviting us to come in. This 40 days of prayer is, prayer is an invitation from God to pour our hearts before God. As we begin this 40-day journey, one of the things you do is, what am, God, what, what am I asking you? I remember one king, when, when Solomon became a king, first thing he did was to seek God. Off a thousand sacrifices went before God. And God comes and says, I heard your prayer. What do you want for me to give to you? As you begin this whole 40-day journey, God is saying to us, I'm inviting you in to ask me, what do you want? What do you desire? What are you asking of me? Because God said, everyone who asks, you'll receive. Everyone who seeks, you'll find. Everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be opened unto them. Right? So what are you asking? Are you asking for breakthrough? I ask, are you asking for healing, restoration? What are you asking? What are you seeking before God? Desperation. Invitation. Are you in a difficult place? Praise Him, you can come. As you draw near before God, and there's there's 40 days of seeking God. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are. I don't don't know exactly what your prayers and requests may be. But here's one thing very clear. Desperation is an invitation from God. The things you said, I don't see any hope in it. I don't see any, any, any answer to this. God is saying, I'm inviting you in. The fact that you are in a desperate place means that I have invited you in. Will you draw near? Will you, will you seek after me? Will you come and talk to me? So in that 40 years, 40, no, 40 years, it'll be better, but 40 days, <laughs> the book is helpful, the book is okay, but the thing is, we, we want to do more than the book. What you want to do is, 40 days, we're going to focus on time to seek God personally. Come as a group, seek God together. We want our hearts to be focused together, saying, God, we are coming before you. If there's one prayer that we need to raise, I think most of us haven't raised, is pray for our nation. Our nation is in deep, I don't want to use the word that came to my mind, but deep, 
Okay, yes. I almost use the word the. Do do, okay. When the place, we need God. It's doing, don't we? You may be in a desperate place in your life, personally. Don't just pray for your job right now. Pray bigger than that. Because He is inviting us in. If He invited us, mean I want to give it, but that's why I invited you in. Draw near. Draw near. Did He not, did he not say, Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come. Come. Draw near. Let's all stand. We draw near God. We lift our hands. Oh, we lift our eyes to the mountain. From where does our, our help come? Our help comes from you, maker of heaven and the earth. Lord of hosts, Yahweh Tzibaoth, we call upon you, mighty God. Mighty God, we come before you, able to do all things. We come and look to you. Let your heaven come on earth. Let your heaven come into our lives, O oh God. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be the perfect will be done on this earth, God. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you, we love you, we love you, God. Oh, we come and pour out our heart before you. Our needs are Christ. Oh, we come and partner with you, God, in the things you're doing in our lives. We love you, we love you, we love you. We give you glory, God. We worship you.